we're going to be talking about these people who call themselves black liberals and black conservatives. For some reason, people feel a need to like constantly identify what type of conservative or type of liberal they are based on their skin color. So I'm going to be uh, addressing this and really going to be focusing on why I think it's a lot of nonsense. And what we have is uh, debates between these conservatives and these liberals who are arguing about the black community and about exactly what they envision and what racism is and CRT, abortion. They talk about a wide variety of different subjects. So I'm going to address the fact that um, I'm going to put it out there. I don't think that black people need leaders. I don't think we need black conservatives. We don't need black liberals. We don't need black anything. What we need is human beings and we need people who are um, open and willing to discuss, engage and grow as as people in America. And as long as Americans keep dividing themselves amongst all of these different lines, Elaine, what's up? Uh-huh. As long as we keep uh, dividing ourselves on these lines, race, gender, sex, color, all of these different things, we're not going to get anywhere. Um, and Kels, uh, you don't have to unsubscribe, but uh, my whole point is I'm not, I'm addressing the whole point that we don't need to put black in front of all of these different things. So uh, Elaine, I see you. David, I see you. Welcome to the party. But this is the conversation that was had between these conservatives and liberals. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about and discuss and, you know, kind of see exactly where we at. Because when I say this is a juicy one and it's a lot to cover. So we're going to get this party started. Um, and I look forward to reading y'all comments and seeing what y'all got to say about this conversation as I uh, give my thoughts on it. So without further ado, let's do this. Yes. Okay, great. Then let's get started. All right. Beginning with the subject of racism. The definition of racism seems to have changed over the years. Many once understood it to mean hatred or intolerance of another race or other races. Now, however, many progressives tell us that racism is a system of group privilege by those who have a disproportionate share of society's power, prestige, property, and privilege. And therefore, only white people can be racist. So what is the <laughs> definition of racism? Okay, so panelist one on the right side. You got two minutes. I'll take it. Um, so my, my definition of racism is basically either ethnic hatred, ethnic partiality, so if you, you treat people differently based on their ethnicity, um, or a certain type of ethnic superiority. Given that I think any person could be racist, I reject the notion that only white people can be racist. Um, part of the reason I reject that is because it doesn't make sense. For it, because if the definition of racism has to do with power or prestige, but only white people can be racist, then that would mean that if a black police chief fires a white police cadet for some reason, let's say he just he, just, he wanted fewer white people on his police um, force, then and the police cadet walked out and he mumbled an ethnic slur under his breath, that in that particular situation, the police cadet who has no power, that's why he's getting fired, is being racist, but the police chief cannot be racist because he's black, even though he has all the power. So I reject that particular notion. Um, I think it's patronizing to think that black people or any other group other than white people can't exhibit, as I said, ethnic partiality or ethnic hatred. So 
I think the whole reason that we got this situation where um people feel as if the the, the term racism has been redefined, uh, particularly by people on the the left spectrum, um, is probably more so due to a strategic way of addressing um addressing the fact that there are going to be people in certain circumstances where black people have gained positions of power and they are not necessarily wielding that power in a way that the majority of black people might agree with and it's more it sounds more like a marxist kind of a uh, theology in, in a sense and I, I the reason i say theology is because in my opinion, it's very dogmatic. Um, anybody who adopts the mindset that only white people can be racist or only like, or black people can't be racist. It, it's not founded on anything logical. It's not founded on anything um, reasonable or rational. It's more of this is the way it is because we say it is. And you just have to accept it at face value. And it's also dealing with the power dynamics, like the power struggles between those who have and those who don't have. And it also creates this uh, alliance between black people who think like this and other people in their coalition, like uh, different groups, subgroups like LGBTQ or whatever. And it creates a common a, a common thread that ties all of them together to say we don't have power, but those people have power. So while we do say racism deals with race. We're also fighting a power dynamic and there are other people fighting this fight with us, which allows you to be a member of a different group. And you may be white, but you don't have any power. Therefore, they can accept you in their coalition. It, it, it can be subtle. And I don't even think it's that well thought out. I think mostly what you have is people who come from different um, points of view who somehow, I, 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 I find most things in politics not to be very strategically thought out. I think most people come together with a common ailment or some kind of disagreement and conversations get to started. And then these are the results that you get from it, the rede redefining of racism. Um, if, if anybody believes that their particular group is superior and others are inferior, that to me is a definition of racism everyone should be able to agree to. That's what we always believed. But again, now racism means privilege plus, plus power. Um, and as I said, I reject that particular definition. I, I applaud the brother for speaking up on that fact. Uh, well, so I got to call you by your, your new name now. Kermitakila. Uh, to kill him. Let's go. Thank you for the super chat. Five dollars. What's up? Welcome to the house. Anthony 911. I see you. Uh, let's see. Uh, I asked the question, how do y'all define racism? All right. I asked Twitch and I asked YouTube. Uh, one says black need a leader who really rep them. Uh, Elaine says, I agree completely. Racism to me is discriminating against someone based on someone's race. That's how I grew up with the definition and still see it that way. And I absolutely agree with that definition as well. Racism, hate or irrational fear based on one's skin tone, outward appearance, nationality, or race. I agree with that as well. Uh, Whereas Jason Whitlock, <laughs> I would agree that the definition and scope of what is considered racism has probably expanded in recent years, but I don't know anyone personally who believes that only white people can be racist. Yeah, um, I, I think it's more of a fringe. I think 
less people think that than what we like to give credit to. And usually we find ourselves in a lot of like online discussions where those type of voices get amplified. But I, I think that most people in America generally don't think that you need power in order to be racist. You know, uh, <laughs> we come from different hoods. Tim's, what's up? Yo, welcome to the house. <laughs> she drinks tequila. Anthony with that cigarette in his picture. Hey, get it. Okay, thank you. All right. Uh, left team, you have two minutes. Uh, well, I think that we're conflating terms because there's a term of prejudice and there's a term of racism. Racism defined by the Supreme Court uh, in decisions by Sandra Day O'Connor and a project of cases thereafter, uh, which deals with, in particular, the uh, ability of the uh, majority group uh, to either negatively, uh, negatively impact the uh, lives of another uh, group based upon their uh, racial or ethnic uh, features um, versus prejudice, which is an internal idea, the conceptualization of what another group is, an internalized hatred. You can be prejudiced towards an individual, but without a, a power dynamic associated there with, you lose the conceptualization of racism. Uh, similar to the point which was just made, because we live in a society where um, throughout its history, you've had you've had resources distributed based mm -hmm. upon racial lines in America. Uh, our lines for uh, for racism are drawn based upon the previous institution of slavery as it was the Jim Crow thereafter. So I agree that, yes, if an <laughs> individual is in power and uses that power to... Yeah, the mics are horrible on this audio, man. I swear it's horrible. Like, I wish they had better mics because um, I want to make sure everything they're saying are clearly heard, uh, but he does need to speak more in front of him because his mic is, like, attached to his to his own tie against another group, then they can be racist. We saw that this uh, last week in Los Angeles where you had the um, city council president who was Latina talking about a white individual with a uh, black son. That's a racist situation because you have somebody in a position of power able to negatively impact the lives of another person based upon their ethnic background. I think... See, he started off trying to say, okay, anybody can be racist based on uh, their skin color. But then he turns around and he brings up the fact that there was a situation in Los Angeles where a white parent was a parent of a black child. I don't necessarily see how he's tying those two things together. This, to me, seems like a, a, a leap of faith on his part. Like, he's really stretching it. ...able to negatively impact the lives of another person based upon their ethnic background. I think that when you uh, when you conflate the terms, then you uh, uh, you end up with specious outcomes. It's almost as Kant said, um, with the uh, idea of the categorical imperative, that an individual does not need to actually hate someone to act racistly. Someone needs to only exercise their power dynamic uh, associated their wealth and the negative uh, the impacts of that are what we describe as the systemic racism that people have here right. in the United States of America. So I think once you get the definitions together, it puts, us, puts you into a better position uh, to try to find a way to solve these things. Because I think more important than trying to define or to trying to categorize is what the solution should be. Right. Racism. Man, they say a whole bunch of nothing, nada, man. I didn't get anything from what this man just said. I'm going to be honest. Like, he said a lot, but it sounded like a word salad to me. Like, I can't really pin down exactly what he was trying to say. And maybe I probably just have to listen to it again to kind of like pinpoint exactly what he was saying. But I really didn't feel like he came down to an actual real definition of how he defines racism. <laughs> Let me help. Yes, got him. I'm going to take my shots time. No, we're all back and forth. Okay. 
Lisa's about to kill, she's about to kill it, though. Like, she was going to kill it. <laughs> All right. Uh, panelists, two, you have one minute. I don't know how many of y'all know about this whole thing, but I just discovered this is called the walkaway movement or something of that sort. Like, uh, a walkaway movement, I guess, is people walking away from the Democrat Party. It's like, all right, I'm going to be the first to say I've always been one person that's really been hard to deal with groups. I, I don't like the I don't like to join any group. I don't care if it's the black set, the walk away. I'm more so like uh, be an individual, think for yourself and vote based on your priorities. You know, don't be a criminal, you know, educate yourself and go out into the world and be responsible. Like it's really not that complicated, but like so many people feel like they need to join these groups that they need to belong to something. And they ended up getting all these wacky ass leaders who start saying all kind of wacky shit and they have to follow and go along with everything they say. And to me, it just, it seems like, you know, uh, everybody's trying to create some kind of group for everybody. And at the, at the end of the day, it's like, that ain't going to fucking bring nobody together because you got like 10, 20 different groups all claiming to be conservatives or 10, 20 groups all claiming to be liberals and they fighting against each other and they fighting against the other side. And it's like, why can't everybody just decide, Hey, you know, these are my positions. This is what I stand for. If you disagree with me, let's have a conversation. Compton black teacher called a Hispanic sheriff deputy whitewash. So <laughs> negatively affect their lives due to power dynamics. How about the positive benefits of power dynamics? Yeah. Uh, and there's something that I like to call positive racism, where people will discriminate and people will like bully or cast aside one group for the sake of fighting for another group. And we'll see like, oh, white people need to shut up and sit down for the sake of black people. But that's also a form of racism. Like you might think that you're being racist. They don't even think they're being racist, but they'll think that, okay, I'm not being racist because I'm fighting for black people. But on the other, on the side, you're 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 trying to shut down white people. That's a form of racism. I don't care what your intentions are. You're still there's still somebody on the receiving end of your 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 exclusion. So that's something that has to be addressed. Like we, you can get a grade A for your intentions, but at the end of the day, what are your impact and what are your outcome and what what what's causing people to respond in the way that they're doing? Because you might be trying to help black people, but if you're casting all white people to the side to do it then you're creating enemies and the, the effect that you're trying to have, you're probably having the opposite. Yeah, so when we're talking about racism, it's important to understand and people are um, typically conservatives and liberals have different interpretations of that. But if you agree that race is a social construct, um, then there are different arguments that you can have. The argument that race is a social construct what y'all think? We can actually go back to. Do y'all think racism is a social construct? Do y'all think racism is something that we just socially agreed upon, or is it is it a real thing? Uh, I, I'll let y'all know my answer, but I'm, I'm curious to see what y'all say. Maybe 1804 and 18 or 1805 or 1806, which was the Hudgens v. Wright decision. Hudgens v. Wright decision was a Supreme Court, a Virginia Supreme Court decision where the judge. There were a <clears throat> four generations, three or four generations of Native American women who were trying, who sued their slave master <laughs> um, for freedom. What they had to prove is that they were not of African descent. In that particular decision, what the judge said, he used things that were stereotypical features of 
Native Africans, which were. And it's interesting. I encourage you to go back. Look up Hudgens v. Wright if you want to um, have a... He didn't even define racism. It's like, the question is, how do you define racism? And he goes on this tangent about, like, what the judge and them decided about what characteristics of a black person. It's like, okay, we want to go down that route, but like, dude, that's not what the question is. Like, you're supposed to define what you consider to be racist. And, and then if you want to expand on that, I mean, cool, go for it, but they just completely ignore the question. Broader discussion of race as a social construct, which it is. And I'll take it from here, Malik. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, actually, I'd actually like to direct you to another case, uh, the Scott of uh, the case of Dred Scott, which is really the Now, she's talking directly into the mic, like, she seemed fired up like she really wants attention like she she felt like she has that energy tonight right true and clear definition of what racism is in america why is that because in dread scott you had the determination that there is no right that the negro has that the united states has to respect now why is that the definition of racism because that is not the fucking definition of racism but to be fair, let her explain. The creation of race in the United States of America started when Africans were brought on a boat from multiple boats from Africa <laughs> to the United States. Is she really going to say that racism or race began when they went and got Africans from Africa? Like, is that the real creation of race or racism? Because, like, I mean, there was countless evidence throughout history before slavery even took place in America from like the African tribes where other groups of people mistreated other people because they are of a different race, tried to conquer, kill, enslave, right? You you name it, everything done under the sun. But keep in mind that with these people who think like this, history begins there. That's They have this idea that history begins the moment where slavery began when they first arrived to the shores of Africa and kidnapped Africans or bought African slaves and bought them over here. And at that time, it wasn't even necessarily America. It was the British Empire at that time. And the British Empire ruled over America until 1776. So, I mean, there's still slavery going on in parts of Africa to this day. And the last time I checked, I think that the British were the ones who outlawed slavery up until the point where they were even fighting other Africans to stop them from slave um, trade slaving, slave and trade, slave trading. So, I mean, like, there's a whole lot to unpack there. And expected to be in a position of second class citizenship or subservience for the duration of their time here. Why? Because there was some guy over <laughs> in uh, the uh, in Europe who said. I want, I give you the right, the Catholic Church was part of it, but I give you the right to go into these oh, countries Lord. and take these people based on their lineage and based on the fact that they're from Africa. You can take them and subject Well, it wasn't based on Africa. Like, why, why do they think that Africans are unique in their treatment when it comes to how people perceive slavery? Like, there are groups all across the planet who have been enslaved at various times throughout history. Hell, even Chinese people used to enslave other Chinese people. Like, Africans enslaved other Africans. Europeans enslaved other Europeans. Like, it wasn't just because they were African. It was like, probably, they saw opportunity. And it happened to be Africans at that given point in time. 
them to servitude for the rest of their lives. So when black people were brought here, it was based on the premise of race. I'm and they That's not true. That's not true. They didn't do it because they were black. They did it because they were available. They did it because they had the opportunity. It wasn't like they sought out only black people to enslave. Look what they did to, to the Native Americans. Like, nothing has to do with just because they are black. Now, you could establish that once slavery took place and they brought slaves over to America, that based on your skin color at that point, you were considered, like, you could obviously see that a person isn't white. You can see that that person is black. And you might see that person as being different. I mean, they even had scientists at the time trying to, like, justify why the Negro brain was different or whatever the case may be. And, but to say they only went to Africa to enslave Africans because they were African, that's a stretch. They were expected to be in servitude from that point until they left. We're still here. There's still racism. <laughs> All right, thank you. Uh, I'm gonna do you guys a solid and let you know when you're halfway through your time. <laughs> All right, so third- Exactly, Elaine. Read what Elaine said, facts. Analyst, you have 30 seconds. Okay, I'm fine with a traditional definition of racism, the belief that human traits are determined by race and the abilities that you have comes from race. That's the traditional definition and I'm completely fine with it. I'm also completely fine with acknowledging what Robert has said and saying that I must be racist and prejudiced because for me, there are certain things that only a black man can do. Um, so I feel like when it comes to- What kind of statement is that? Seriously, what kind of fucking statement is that? Did you hear what she said? That there are, there are some things that only black men can do. How? This is the beginning of the conversation. How is anybody supposed to take anything you say after this seriously when you just said that there are some things that only black men can do? Why do why some? And from what I understand, this female is on the conservative side. And she said there are some things only black men can do. This is so embarrassing. This is the people that you don't want speaking on your behalf. Matter of fact, I don't want anybody speaking on my behalf. But here we are. Countless people always get up and try to speak on behalf of the black community. And yet you get anybody and everybody and their mama up here trying to say what they think and what they believe. And then you get somebody up here saying that there are some things that only black men can do. Imagine if this was a panel of white people and there was a white woman that said there are some things that only white men can do. You, you would immediately understand that that was racist. You would immediately understand that that was unacceptable. But yet we have been emboldened in this country that somehow if you belong to the black race that you can get away with saying some outrageous statements and we're just supposed to accept it because uh, skin color? Is that a form of black privilege? I mean, seriously racism when you wonder if black people okay and <laughs> <laughs> do i get the rest of the uh seconds? yeah so yeah, go for it. all right and we're back to the point of the dread sky case so with the africans being brought here from that point on to subject to be a second class citizen racism has been the denial of power of um right to access education equality resources, opportunity, seconds. that has all been the vestiges of racism since we got here. You don't just look at racism starting with yesterday or 10 years ago. You have to look at why the people that are here are being, uh, people are being racist against them and the historical Time. picture of racism. 
Thank you so much. Can I come back on this side? Uh, I think that is... About to get, that's about to get spicy. That's again, because we're missing a panelist still. But he just showed up. So. Oh, he just showed up? Okay. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the next question. Is America a systemically racist country? Uh -oh. And depending on your belief, how do our laws and our constitution either support systemic racism or protect black Americans from systemic racism by guaranteeing freedom and equality? Just, I wanna point out something because I want y'all to know exactly where I stand, right? This is exactly where I stand and I'm not moving the goalposts on this one, all right? It is crazy. And it's ridiculous that we have panels of black people talking about black issues. It is insane that we've come to accept this. I don't agree with this at all in one shape or the other. I don't agree with it on the left or the right. I think that it's ridiculous that we are in this place in America. For example, I want you to take what's going on right now and plug in another race. I want you to plug in. I always say white people because black people are always comparing themselves to white people. I want you to plug in this and imagine a panel of white people talking about white people issues and what white people should be doing or what white people are affected by. You got to see this for the logical inconsistency that it is. And while I get that most people aren't prepared or ready to take that leap forward in humanity, I get and understand that some people are so ideologically driven by the notions of race in America that we can't somehow get past it. Even the people who claim that they want racism in the end are some of the main perpetrators of this racial conversation, some of the main perpetrators in keeping race a big part of the conversation. These same people are victims of this racial ideology, which is why you have people calling themselves black conservatives, which is why you have people calling themselves black liberals, because black has become a main factor in their identity and they can't even see past it. And for the life of me, I just want everybody to understand this is where I stand. I do not condone any of this nonsense. And there are going to be people who say, well, how are you being racially blind? Like, okay, call me colorblind or whatever, but somebody has to be because I'm only trying to walk in the direction that people claim they want the future to be. I'm only trying to represent what everybody in America is claiming they want. Everybody says they want a, race, a racism-free America, a colorblind future where they're not judged by the content of their, I mean, or they're not judged by their race color, their skin color. And when you start to do that, then people instantly ridicule you. So it's like you can't have it both ways. People got to make up their mind. Right, team? Uh, first panelist, you have two minutes. Is America um, systemically uh, a racist no. country? I agree with... Kamala Harris and Representative Jim Clyburn and Joe Biden and Tim Scott, that America is not a systemically racist country. There are vestiges of racism that obviously exist in a country. When you build a country um, where you, uh, many people consider slavery America's greatest sin, the original sin, when you build a country that is purposely discriminated against people of African descent. All right. So, uh, what you say, uh, Terrell say that's great, but you can't be colorblind if society isn't. Why not? Why not? That's a, that's a simple question. Why not? Why can't why can't we uh, just say I don't want to be a part of it? I'm, I'm just not going to live that way. Why not? Guess what? If if millions of other people decided the same thing right now, how much better off would we be right now? See, 
it's the same thing with the two-party system. You know, like you stuck between this position. It's like, okay, on one hand, you can't be colorblind. But on the other hand, it's not okay to see everything through race or see race everywhere you go. So if you colorblind, you're part of the problem. But if you're not colorblind, you're also a part of the problem. It's like you're locking me in. I, I don't know where else to go from there. I don't see you as colorblind, but more neutral. And that's the way it should be, right? That's the way it should be. Like, I, I really feel like if, if you are somebody who really care about race relations, if you're really somebody who wants to see a future where people don't judge each other based on their color skin, then we all have a responsibility to behave in such a fashion. Because it always takes one person to be the first person to start doing something, right? There was somebody, with, there was a first person to wear sneakers. There was a first person to wear t-shirts. There were a first person to wear jeans. There had to be one person, the first person to do something. And you fast forward through time. Now, a lot of people are doing it. So I don't believe that we have to wait until we reach a pinnacle or reach a certain point where you can do that. I believe that you can start doing something now and hope that in the future, more and more people will start catching on, right? Uh, well, you can, but it's not effective. I don't believe the part of the problem you would just be not empathetic towards struggle. Well, I'll ask you this, Tim's. How many black people who are focusing on race or how many white people focusing on race have gotten us any further than where we are now? There was a time when People were being bit by dogs. There were a time people being water holes. See, though that was a specific time, a specific era. When you fast forward to today in 2022, how often do you see those things? See, I'm more than willing to see when somebody being unjustly like criticized or unjustly brutalized and call it out for what it is. But to live my life in an everyday fashion to where like, I got to be saying, oh, is this person mistreating me because of my race? Or do I need to go out and fight on behalf of this race? Or do I need to be a leader of this race? Like, I, I, I don't believe that that we can accomplish what we are trying to accomplish in that fashion. How old were you when you heard Larry Elder? Laugh out loud. I was a grown man. I think I first heard of Larry Elder when I was like 20, 23, 24. Yeah, I, I discovered my conservatism uh, in a basically in my own bubble. Like, I wasn't really influenced by most people. I, I didn't really, uh, I, I kind of came into certain positions on my own. Imagine them trying to stop slavery by being the slavery is whatever crowd. It would never lead to anything. Yeah. Uh, it's apples and oranges, Tim's. I think it's apples and oranges because I don't think slavery is equivalent to what we're dealing with today. I would, I would give you that argument. Slavery was a different monster. It was a different beast, but not today. I, I couldn't give that same excuse today to uh, anybody pushing this race narrative. I can't, you know, it, you can't compare slavery to what we have in, in 2022, you know? And, and, and my question is, if it works, why isn't it working? Why aren't all of these people focusing on race working? Race relations, relations are getting worse. So why isn't it working? I would say America is more of a systemically classist country. By what I mean, it's more of a classist argument than racist. Not all black, Asian, white, Hispanic people are on the same level. Classism is definitely much of a, a, a bigger um, problem than racism. 
No, definitely not equivalent. Definitely a hyperbolic example. I appreciate you saying that. You know, I, I understand your point. It's not lost on me. It's hard to argue that there won't be vestiges from those years. Now, we've come a very long way. The question um, about whether or not we, you know, we're still a systemically racist country, I think that there are, well, not I think, the fact that all of us are sitting here on this panel is a testament to how far we've come. The fact that there is a mixed group of people in this room is a testament to how far we've come. No, America is not a systemic. Maybe they just there to see what kind of crazy shit y'all gonna say. Racist <laughs> country, but there are vestiges that still exist today that both Republicans uh, and Democrats have been working on. That's why Donald Trump did the work that he did when he was in office around the First Step Act and many things that he did around our HBCUs, many things that he did around, um, even if you look at NIH, making minorities competitive for NIH grants. These are the things that the federal government does, our local government does, to deal with those vestiges. Are there problems? Absolutely, it's hard to deny that. Are there disparities that exist? It's hard to deny that when you see it in your face. But are we this angry, systemically racist country that can't move on? You know, we're still back in the 1800s. We're absolutely not. And again, the fact that we're all here on this stage together is a testament to just how far we come. We still have a way to go, but we've come a very, very long way. See, this brother right here is playing like that. He's rattling the fence, right? He He's sitting on the fence. He's kind of like... I'm going to give you the fact that we are not where we need to be and there's plenty of ways to go, but we cannot pretend like it's the 1800s. Like he, he, he's trying to offer a, a moderate position and trying to say like, we got to stop going either racism is completely over or racism is the most dire problem that we're facing right now. Uh, I can appreciate his ability to do that. I just think that in order to be truly effect effective at being the moderate, you got to go hard against the radicals. Like you got to go hard against the, the the ones who are saying racism is the biggest problem, and those people are saying racism isn't the problem, because otherwise you're just forgettable. You're, you're just somebody who was there. Okay, thank you. Come on, Zach. Yeah, two minutes. <laughs> You're full, boy. Is America a systemic, <laughs> systemically racist country? Uh, well, uh -oh. let's just ask this question. Uh-oh. If a person has rights under the Constitution, which is a contract, let's start there. The Constitution is a contract. It says in the event that we don't agree to be governed anymore, we have the right to overthrow the government. And we saw on January 6th that certain people decided to enforce that contract. They went to the steps of the Capitol and said, you know what? We don't like the way our government is working and we decide that we want to change it. The problem is, is that there are certain people who do not have the same rights. And so she's going to make the argument that because a uh, majority of the people that went to January 6th were white and therefore they had a privilege that other races would never have the privilege of doing. I, I tend to argue differently. I mean, we've seen Black Panthers like literally take up arms and occupy courthouses and different like uh, places within the government structure. Like we've seen black marchers get together and march on Washington. Like we've seen multiple people, like did it go as far as invading or going inside the Capitol? No, but I wouldn't say that that's a privilege that white people have. I would say that that was the, the, the consequence of having 
bad security that day or not being prepared for that because we've seen in many different types of protests or specifically on the left where things get violent and things get out of control where properties are broken into it just so happened that white people when they went to the capitol that day and it wasn't just all white people but because it was majority white if the security was like it was supposed to be things would have turned out drastically different so She's trying to use that as white people have a privilege that we don't. Well, when was the last time that a group of black people tried to attack the Capitol or go inside the Capitol? Well, if you can't point to a specific incident and show a different outcome, then you basically are making a comparison that can't truly be tested or look throughout history to actually figure out if that's truly the case in 2022. And no matter what you believe, like I said, the Dred Scott case is very critical because that case said there is no right that America has to respect for the Negro. And so then you get people it was. fast forward. It was. See, I I never understood the, the, the um, argument that, like, for one, you can't overthrow the government. Like, people say, well, you, you don't have the power to overthrow the government. And yet, at the same time, the same people would make the argument that they almost overthrew the government. Like you can't, you gotta pick one or the other. And also, I think that it, it was very convenient for liberals to take the approach that these people were like somehow only got away with it because they were white, or that somehow, um, if it was a group of black people, that it would have turned out totally different. It's very easy to take that and run with it, but I, I just think that it's not taking into consideration a lot of factors that happened that day that just caused that situation to turn out the way that it did. Shamika about to smash, laugh out loud. <laughs> Somebody saw this already. That's how I feel about your song. It's forgettable. <laughs> what song, man? 1776. <laughs> Forward are still not equal. So how do we know they're not equal? Well, okay, let's get according it. to the 13th Amendment, that was supposed to free the slaves, right? But there's a loophole in the 13th Amendment. It says that you can, that every man shall be free except in the instance of if he's convicted of a crime. This is the most, this has to be one of the most bizarre takes on the 13th Amendment. Like, this has to be one of those, like, she's completely drinking the Kool-Aid here, right? Because a man could be, are there white people in prison? Are there black people in prison? Are there Hispanics in prison? Are there Russians in prison? Like, you can go down the list. There are probably people of different ethnicities in prison. That says nothing about race. That says nothing about race. She's talking about systemic racism, but on the one hand, she's saying that slavery is justified by the 13th Amendment because people commit crimes and they forfeit their rights to live in a in society amongst the rest of us. I wouldn't call that slavery. That's not slavery. It, it may not be free, but it ain't slavery. Just the most craziest takes. So what do we have there? Well, you just pass slavery from being on a plantation and you move it right over to the criminal justice system. And we shuttle people through our criminal justice system on a daily basis. So slavery never disappeared. It was never outlawed. What does that mean? That means that certain people are still legally second class citizens in America. And we still have that and we know that that exists. So the mere fact of the matter is... See, she, she, she can't even commit to the idea. Like, she's trying to make a racial argument, but she can't even commit to the idea that it's purely on race. She has to admit that there are some people, but she can't say it's black people. Like, you can't... 
that's that's we're talking about systemic racism, and you you're not validating systemic racism by saying um people go to prison for committing crimes, and even if that includes other races, like even including up to white people. So it's like you, you why, why this I, I don't even see how you come to this position. No, it literally states slavery is acceptable for inmates essentially. Yeah, but those inmates, those inmates could be any race. It, it doesn't specify race. So like you can't make a you can't make a systemic racism argument based on that. That to me, it, it just it just says now if she wants to make the argument that black people get incarcerated more, then she would she would have to make an argument that okay, but black people aren't committing the crimes, but they're still being incarcerated. You you have to go do a whole line of logic to back that up. And I, I highly doubt that she's not she's not she's not gonna do that. She's she's just not. <laughs> she's just not. Oh yeah. Then they, yeah, they burn down the church, ain't it? Like it's just it's selective. It's very selective, man. Video is brought to you by Hobby Lobby Apparel. You can click the link in the description below or go to the link down at the bottom of the screen. Every time you shop, you support the show, but you also get to look fly at the same time. Whether you got pets, whether you got children, or you're looking for something yourself, Hobby Lobby Apparel has something for everybody. This is yes. I think oftentimes what I notice is if you are somebody who's like dramatically on one side of the fence and dramatically on the other side of the fence, I think a lot of times these people are talking past one another because this person is going to focus in on everything that supports their argument and the other person is going to focus on everything that supports their argument and they're going to try to find everything that beat up on your argument while you're going to try to do the same thing. And also, usually the truth is somewhere in the middle. It's somewhere in between. But we'll never see the in-between. This is why, like, I know I said this like a few times already, but we need more than two parties. We need the ability to uh, spread out some of the, the ideas and allow people to take something from this side and take something from that side and find value in both of them. But it's either or. You're either black or white. It's like a black or white fallacy. That's what the two-party system technically is in this country. It's a black and white fallacy. It's like it's either black or it's either white. Either you agree with this side or you agree with that side. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We still have a systematic integration of slavery into our country simply because everyone's not even legally a citizen. Everyone's not free. That's why. Uh, okay, so everyone's not free, but that's, that doesn't mean slavery. David says the 13th Amendment does explicitly allow slavery in the case of imprisonment, and imprisonment has widely used to keep minority communities in check. All right, so let me ask you the question, though. Do you think that majority of the people in the minority groups that are in prison are innocent? You have to argue that those people are innocent. If you're, if you're going to make the argument that they make laws that specifically affect or impact minority groups more because minority groups tend to either participate in those behaviors more or tend to be policed more, then you have to ask the question, why are these minority groups being policed more and therefore leading to them more having more interactions with the police? It can't be in a bubble. It has to be, you have to take in consideration that there are groups of people who know that certain behavior is illegal and still choose to behave or choose to engage in that behavior, knowing that they could consequently be imprisoned. And I think that when you commit a crime against humanity or a crime against society, which we as a society have deemed to be wrong, then you take the risk of being imprisoned. Um, but just, I, I still wouldn't call it slavery. I mean, it, it's a form of bondage, but it's not slavery. If, if that makes what, if it makes sense, it's slavery, your children are born into slavery. 
in slavery, you can literally be sold off to other masters where the masters can do whatever they want to you. Even slaves have rights. I mean, I mean, even prisoners have rights, whereas slaves didn't have any rights. 100%, but they are over-policed and over-incarceration of black individuals, along with black individuals receiving longer sentences. Okay, I would argue that the longer sentences is something that I can definitely agree with. Black people tend to get sentenced way longer than uh, white people, but we can't argue that these black people are not committing these crimes. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we're not willing to make the leap that majority of the black people in prison are innocent. You know? If Harvey hasn't heard it, I call for stream reaction. <laughs> Y'all, man. Y'all let put the word out on the street. You know? Uh, remember the quote about the motivation that led to the weight on uh to the war on drugs in the Nixon administration? I do recall that. Well, let me ask you, uh, David. What do you think that the people who are currently in power now and the people who are controlling the laws have the same intentions? And that they are still like wanting those same outcomes, you know. I, I would be curious, but I do think that the war on drugs needs to end. Like I, I'm gonna be 100. I'm for freedom. I'm for people being grown people being able to experiment with drugs. I'm with grown people willing to make their own choices as long as I don't have to pay for them. Does that make sense? As long as they're not harming people in society, as long as they're not forcing me to pay for their consequences. I think that they should be able to, you know, freely do what they please. You know what I mean? More men get incarcerated for violent crimes than women. So do we need a quota on more women incarcerated? That's a perfectly good question, right? Is the system biased against men or is it that just men commit more crimes? That's something that we have to focus on. Massa. <laughs> if you pass policies that lead to the impoverishment of communities, you will lead them toward desperation and crime. Doubtly, so if you remove their ability to reintegrate into society, there there is some truth to that, right? There is truth that when you force people in a certain environment, that it is most likely to expose them to certain behaviors or cause them to behave in certain, you know, fashions. But then you have to justify. I'm really curious to see how you stack that claim up against the majority of black people who don't commit crimes. See. Most black people aren't criminals. Most black people don't commit crimes. It's a very small section of black people within these communities that commit most of the crime. So you would have to explain why most black people in those situations don't commit crime, why most of them aren't participating in that behavior, and then find the link, the missing link between those two people. And I would really be curious because I, for the life of me, I've never seen nobody investigate or try to explain that discrepancy. If poverty is the reason, then why are so many people that live in poverty don't participate in those behaviors? Why most of them don't? Are they white or Jewish? <laughs> you got to add Kanye about that one. <laughs> I doubt that we truly have free will. Therefore, we should treat criminals with some dignity. We should not torture them, even the evil ones. I'm on the fence with, I, I, I agree with that. Like, because I've been locked up before, because I know how people can come up, I, I know how people can develop bad ideas and people can, it can lead them to doing horrendous things. They should be removed from society because they can't harm and hurt other people, right? But they're ultimately victims of their own minds. 
And I know how easy it is to accept certain lifestyles or how easy it is to accept certain behaviors. And some people never had a chance. I, I admit, some people just never had a chance, whether they wasn't smart enough, they wasn't like had the right connections or the right, you know, the right influences in life. And some people just get led down a bad path. Um, and here's another thing. I've been watching this Daryl Brooks um, thing and he was found uh, guilty or whatever the case may be. And people was like, they should have the death penalty. They should have the death penalty. I would argue that most people who take the death penalty route is one of two things. Either one, they don't believe that they taxpayer dollar shit go to keep a murderer or somebody like that alive. Okay, that's one argument. And the only other argument I can understand is those people have never been to prison. Because there's a reason why people say they would rather die than go back to prison. The death penalty is a far easier sentence than life in prison. And I don't think people understand that. You know, having life in prison is definitely a much harsher sentence than the death penalty. Uh, let's see. Y'all make sure y'all hit that like button while y'all watching. Please just hit the uh, like button. It helps get that video out there. Let YouTube know that I'm worth watching. Because, boy, I swear. Uh, I doubt that we truly have free will. Therefore, we should treat criminals. Oh, yeah, I read that one already. So I'm on the same page with you, what? But no one is arguing that more white people should be incarcerated. And also that person just straight implied black people are more criminal than white people. <laughs> uh, it's not. You can say that black people have higher um, rates of criminality in certain areas. And it's not because they're black. It can be due to a lot of different things. It can be due to uh, culture. It can be due to the types of situations that black people are to find themselves in because of their culture or the type of um, communities they live in and what's norm and what's not norm. You know, uh, it, it's not due to because they're black. Uh, hold on. Um, boom, bop, one-on-one stream reaction. Come on, let's go. Hitting the road. So go on roll radio silent. But I'm here, y'all. Hold on out if we convincing a stream reaction to it. <laughs> Yo, boy, y'all gonna have to do some super chats. Y'all want me to do a reaction now to uh, Tom McDonald. Here's a concept. Why not charge all people on the same charges? True. I mean, let the cars lay where they lay. I grew up in Bronx, New York. Elaine said, I grew up in Bronx, New York, and my family is Puerto Rican and black. One half of, half of them have been in prison for extremely violent crimes. Why? Due to neighborhood pressures. So that, that, that definitely plays a major role into it, right? Like I said, the truth is always somewhere in the middle, you know? Crime is still generally understood to be corrosive to society. It takes a lot for most people to take a violent, destructive route to get ahead. True. It takes a certain type of person, right? Some people are born disagreeable. I was definitely somebody born disagreeable, which made me more likely to be prone to a life of crime, given my circumstances. And I don't think most people are disagreeable. County jail is worse than prison. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, county jail could definitely be worse than prison. In prison, you get certain privileges that you don't get in county jail, but it also depends on the type of prison you go to. Uh, where are they now? They have turned it around and have families and homes and employment. There are opportunities. So like I said, there, there's a combination there. There's a combination of opportunities. There's a combination of cultural norms. There's a combination of um, nature. They, they, some people are naturally prone to like, you know, there are people who are born in good, like good environments and still choose life of crime. And that has nothing to do with their environment. That has to do with them as a person or maybe some precondition that they're exposed to. 
it's a combination of things, right? I'm not going to blame the black situation or the circumstances in black communities on just poverty, but I'm not going to say poverty doesn't play a major role in it, right? Like, we, we got to make sure that we're not being black and white in that thinking as well. I did six months in Los Angeles County Jail. Gangster essay. <laughs> respect. Respect. Y'all get that man some respect. Put some respect on his name. Tom Bubot 101 is amazing. Right there with you. I've been slacking on my reactions, y'all. I've been slacking on my reactions. I... All right. Just to take a little break to say why I've been slacking on my reactions. Uh, I did take a little break a little while ago because I had my um, my anniversary came up. I also been taking some real estate courses to get my real estate license. So I've been busy with that. And I've also been working as well. So I, I've kind of been behind. But here's the thing. I'm going to be doing an NF reaction live stream this weekend. And the next one I plan on doing is a Tom McDonald live stream reaction. Uh, so, like, I, that's my way of trying to catch up so that I can get a lot of them in. Boom, 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 boom. Um, you know what I mean? Sounds like he's not a Tom McDonald fan, y'all. Get him. Get him. All oh, the super wealthy are extremely criminal. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> $5 for the boom bop. 101. Come on, let's have, have a stop. Laugh a lot. Dr. Brooks murdered six people. Uh, or Daryl Brooks murdered six people on camera. All so he could get away from hitting his baby mama. No remorse. I get you. No remorse for the man. Especially the way he acted in court. Crazy. Oh, they bringing him in. Oh, shit. He landed. <laughs> All right, y'all. So y'all want me to put aside this, this black nonsense. It ain't important anyway, right? So I got the $50 super chat from Elaine. That's the biggest super chat I ever got. Elaine, girl. Woo. Please do a reaction to Tom's Boombot 101. <laughs> All right, y'all. I think, I think we finna do this. I think we finna do this. All right, y'all. So I think we're gonna do this. Elaine, Elaine and dropped 50 on me, y'all. Uh, and that, that, look, <laughs> oh man, y'all got me disoriented. Just add him to your live. Oh, you just want me to add him to the live? Okay, I'll definitely do Tom's Boo Bop one-on-one. That'll be the first song I do on my Tom live stream reaction. Let's how about how about we do that? You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, she said she want to finish this though. All right, so somebody gonna be watching this in the future, like, man, we supposed to be talking about these black folk. This man that went on the <laughs> I do like Merkels. Yeah, that them boys was dope. But I do want to say thank y'all for the super chats. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Uh y'all don't know how much that helps. All of my videos be getting demonetized. Y'all have no idea what I be going through. So that really does help. I appreciate it. Uh, Boombot 101. I'm going to make sure I do that first on my Tom McDonald reactions. I got y'all. That'll be the first one I do. Uh, so definitely uh, Elaine and my boy. Uh, I'm still trying to get it. Kermit, Kermit a killer. I got you, brother. I appreciate the super chat. Appreciate the love. Oh, yeah, I reckon you'll do well in real estate. You seem to be a people person. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that my YouTube is going to catch up with me in real estate. I think somebody going to notice me and be like, you that guy that be talking shit. 
Somebody gonna try to get me in the house to take me out. <laughs> Elaine, you're my hero right now. Boom bop is the next one I'm gonna do, y'all. I swear. I I got y'all. Uh, I got y'all. Believe that. Let's finish this video. Uh, let's get it. You're still systematic racism. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, before we continue, I just want to welcome our third panelist for the left, uh, Rashad Singleton. Rashad, Rashad is a seven-time published author and entrepreneur from... I can do that, too. I can do that, too, if y'all want me to. I can do it at the end if y'all want me to. Y'all let me know. Cam Campbellton, Florida. Sorry about that. Uh, Rashad has selected has was selected to be a part of the New York Knicks Summer League team in 2009. He also played professional overseas basketball for 12 years. Rashad wrote The Hypocrisy of Democracy, How the American Dream Became the African American Nightmare, Ode to the... Boy, some people, boy... Some people, this boy wrote a book called the, uh, uh, the Hypocrisy of Democracy and said that how the American dream became the African-American nightmare. Yo, some people drunk Kool-Aid. Oh, my goodness. Black Queen, God's Greatest Creation, and Arise, Brother, This Is Your Call to Black Kings. He created the National Reparations League in 2020 with the sole purpose of uniting people across the country to fight and demand reparations for the descendants of enslaved people <laughs> and Jim Crow. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, brother. That's a hell of a resume, brother. That's a hell of a resume. Thank you. Okay, now we're going to kick it back to the right side. Panelist two, you have one minute. Sure. Um... Is America a systemically racist country? No, it is not. It is a country teeming with opportunity. Um, you don't have to deny America's ugly racial history to be able to affirm that. But the notion that criminals are second-class citizens... I got gotcha. you. hear this trotted out often, um, along with the stat that, you know, the majority of black people in, who are incarcerated are there for low-level drug crimes, which is false. Um, if, in fact, if you look at state prisons, where the vast majority of the prison population is... Um, murder is the second leading cause of incarceration for black males and murder homicide is the leading cause of death for young black men between the ages of 15 and 24. So if your position is that because guys who either rob or steal or car carjack in their communities who may look like me 15. are second class citizens, citizens, then I would have to accept that. Shout out. Kudos to this man for explaining that. Like, okay. You got to respect the fact, like, we're not finna justify. Okay, if you want to say that guys for petty drug crimes shouldn't be locked up, I'm 100 percent there with you. But we're talking about a lot of these guys who are murderers, rapists. Like, if they second class citizens, I mean, are we really finna shed a tear for that? Are we finna change the constitution for them? Not at all. Other thing I'll say is this: if America was actually a systemically racist country towards black and brown people. The left would not promote immigration in the way that it that it does. Because if if I went to a restaurant with, that time. gave me bad service, the last thing I would do is tell all my friends and family to go there as well. All right. They should have had me on this fucking panel. They should have had me on this panel. All right, panelists too. You have one minute. After you, brother. 
All right. Uh, so I find it interesting this uh, argument about systemic racism because, again, we're into a definitional point. Because when people say, is America systemically racist, is this, it's as if they're saying, is every okay. single person in America racist? That's not the conceptualization that surrounds systemic racism, is whether or not the institutions which exist disproportionately dis uh, uh, disenfranchise and disaffect a certain population based upon their racial dynamics, similar to the definitional issue we had in question one. Uh, in this situation, I don't think when you look at the interstate highway system as it was constructed, the fact that it was built over black communities nationwide, if you look at the fact that throughout its history, the GI Bill was distributed towards white families more so than African-American families. You can go through the system that America has created and see that it is tilted away from the prosperity and quality of African-Americans. Remember that separate but equal, the problem was never the separate part. It was the equal part. So as long as we cannot accept that fundamental truth, that is well, what it will take for us to get past systemic racism in the nation. Thank you very much. Oops. <laughs> All right, so let's bring it back to the right side. Panelist three, you have 30 seconds. Is America a systemically racist country? My answer is no, because inanimate objects cannot be racist. Uh, you know, I think we're just as racist. That's a dumbass statement. I, I mean, look, okay. America is not an inanimate object. America is a collection of people. I mean, it's a group, a collection of people who inhabit the same landmass. They're not inanimate objects. I get her point, but she could have phrased that so much better. And I'm pretty sure I don't even disagree with her. I just think that the way she put it, it just comes off as very dismissive. And I, I just think that, okay, an inanimate object can't be racist. But America is not an inanimate object. It's a breathing, living culture, people which is constantly drastically changing and altering at all times. And like, you know what we mean when we say America, we mean the, the collection of people who inhabit this space that we call them the country America. As the people that are here, we're going to always be as racist as the people that we put in power. But if there is some certain rights that I don't have as a black person, someone forgot to tell me. Because when mm. I woke up this morning, I was free to come and go as I please. I came here as free as I wanted to be. And everything that I've done in life, I've done it because I wanted to. And no one has stopped me from doing that. Come on. All right, and panelist three, you have 30 seconds. Thank mm -hmm. you. Um, is America... I agree, Elaine. I think America's biggest problem is not anybody else in the world. I think America's problem is America. I think these competing agendas are so... It's becoming so toxic that it makes it hard for the average person to justify participating because it's like if you don't go hard enough you're going to be criticized. If you go too hard, you're going to be criticized. Some people just want to kind of like dodge the raindrops in a way. You know what I mean? I really do believe that. You know, uh, other countries got their problems, but this, this is one of the issues you're going to find with a multicultural, multi-racial country. You're going to find these different competing groups and different interests, even amongst themselves. Systemically racist. That can be answered very easily. Has America paid reparations to the descendants of slaves <laughs> in Jim Crow in this nation? Absolutely not. That is your answer to if America is racist or not. Can America be better? 
Absolutely. But she's far from it. And until reparations are paid to these group of people who built this country, America will continually be racist. <laughs> he on the Kool-Aid, y'all. He drinking that Kool-Aid hard, boy. That boy got a jug of Kool-Aid. Listen, man, what this man just said. Is America systemically racist? This man said, I can answer that easily. Have they paid reparations for the people who built this country? We're going to ignore all of the different people, cultures, races, ethnicities who participated in this American dream, who immigrated over here, who 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 bought what they had when probably little to their back, who came over here to work over here as well, who had a major hand in building America to what it is today. We're going to ignore all of that because the only people who built this country is Africans. I remember, like, in the North, slavery was kind of like, non-existent in the north when the south was still doing slavery and the north had drastically passed the south technological wise economy wise and it's like if anything slavery probably was holding back the southerners but also yes slavery played a major part in the development of this country but let's not overlook all of the different moving pieces that had a role to play. You know what I mean? But dude on that Kool-Aid hard. Let me let me see what y'all saying. Uh... <laughs> America America uh Anthony says America funds every other country. Oh yeah. America the big dog on, on, on the park. America runs shit. She sounds like uh D Brooks. Can the city of Waukesha please come to the stand? <laughs> I know, right? That's exactly what it was for me. I don't want to bring other countries' trouble into ours. We're distinct. I was raised as brown and black people being together. Today, I'm seeing that fragmented, and I wonder why. They're going to fragment as much as they possibly can if it's, they see some kind of political advantage to it. Stan, Clara, what's up? Welcome to the party. Operations from the other pe from the people who enslaved the black people, originally their countrymen, and stopped. Yeah. They, they, we're not. We, they, they're never going to discuss that. We're not. We're not going to talk about that, right? Because I was watching a documentary the other day on how this guy in um, one of these African countries got power, and then he kicked out all Indians. Um, I can't remember his name. Forgive me. Uh, but this guy literally took power. An African guy took power in his country. Oh, I know the name of the country too. It's escaping me right now, but this guy took power and blamed everything on the Indians and kicked all the Indians out of the country. See, what we're dealing with is a human problem. Humans can be fallible. Humans can be dangerous. Humans can be dirty to one another. And we got to stop focusing on one group is worse than the other group. We got to focus on, hey, we see the flaws in ourselves and we got to come to a place in, our, in society to where we can coexist. And at this point, I'm not saying... I know exactly what we need to move forward. What I'm saying is whatever we're doing now apparently is putting us backwards. That's the least we can do. <laughs> that boy want his that man want a check. That man want a paycheck. America has just gotten involved with too many other countries' business. I just hope this was this war in Ukraine does not end up a third world war. America already dropped two nuclear bombs. No one else has done it. I, I'll touch on that that, that World War Three type stuff at another time because um uh, I, I really don't know what to think at this point. Okay, officially back on the road. Forgot to lock the gate. <laughs> Shelter. 
uh, America was to have flying cars in 2020. <laughs> that ain't happening. Elon trying to build on um, tunnels. Human beings throughout history have been despicable of every type. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not saying um, that you just made me think of a Kanye verse. Uh, but the way they need, that's the way I need Jesus. The only thing that matters what's going on today, if you look at the difference between the day Biden took over office until now, even two years later, every number. Something that happened between Obama getting elected to now, race relations have gotten drastically worse in America. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, now let's move along to the politics section of the debate. Really? Joe Biden stated weeks ago that our own intelligence agencies have determined that domestic terrorism rooted in white supremacy is the greatest terrorist threat to our own homeland yeah, today. Biden has spoken often about the rising threat of white supremacy and the dangers this poses to black Americans, but never actually explains what this white supremacist threat is or what it looks like. What is Biden talking about when he references domestic terrorism <laughs> rooted in white supremacy? Uh, right side, panelist one, you have two minutes. Uh -oh. I, I think Biden is talking about anybody who votes for Trump. You know, when he says that, that's what he actually means. And I think sometimes Biden is understood, misunderstood. It's kind of hard to understand. Or uh, hairy legs and cockroaches and corn pops. You know, none of us have a problem with Biden actually calling out racism or white supremacy. But I do have a problem with the notion that anyone who votes for Trump is racist and only racists vote for Trump. And I think that's exactly what he's saying. And none of us actually believe that Biden cares about black people. We just really think that what he's doing is putting out this call. I think the biggest mistake that people make is thinking that any politician is supposed to care about one group over the other. Like the black vote. Like they always say, what are you going to do for black people? Like, what the fuck is that? Like, seriously, like, what are you going to do for white people? What are you going to do for Asian people? What are you going to do for like, Oh, why do we have to have this idea like what you're going to do for black people? As if black people all have the same needs. And if you just do something for black people, all black people be happy, shut up and go home. It's like, I don't want my politicians to care about any group more than any other group. I don't want them to think in that fashion. I want them to do what's best for the economy. I want them to do what's best for people's pockets. I want them to make sure there ain't no foreign country invading us. And I want to make sure that I can walk down my street safe at night. It's that simple. It's like, you know, just don't be in my way. Ah, like, you know what I'm saying? Anthony, a white Mexican, y'all. <laughs> white Mexicano. He's saying this foolishness. He's not our friend. He's not Uncle Joe unless he's that uncle that molests you when your mama steps out and goes to the grocery store. So what he's doing is just saying foolishness. He's trying to invoke fear in black people and it's see-through. Politicians are there to promise you the world and only give it to themselves. Politicians' job is to tell you they're going to do stuff for you. They'll never tell you how you can fix your own problems. They'll never tell you that you should be empowered as a person and that your destiny is in your hand. No, they say, give me the power. Give me control over your life and I'll make everything okay. It's like, I'm a grown man. We're grown. I take care of my own problems. 
Just don't, just don't rob me. You know what I'm saying? Don't take all my money through taxes. L let me defend myself. Let me have the freedom to speak. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Politicians are all, they will promise you the sun and the moon if they will, if they have to, to get your vote. Elon Musk just gave us a vote. <laughs> yeah, Elon Musk. Y'all saw Elon Musk walked in with the sink and he was like, let the sink in. <laughs> in Twitter. I fucking died, bro. <laughs> I need a panel on here, y'all. What should happen and what actually happens are two different things. True. Straight up, we grown as fuck. I don't need no other man telling me he gonna promise me something. I ain't waiting on another man to come take care of me. You think they're going to pay down the student loans as soon as this election's over? They're going to come up with reasons why they can't. It's just a game. <laughs> I'm telling you, Biden was talking about he's going to do all this for black people. That man got an office and whoop, nowhere to be found, man. What is Kamala up to these days? Y'all hear much from Kamala Harris? I don't hear much from her. I can't remember the last time I, I saw Kamala. We see right through it. That's what he means. <laughs> Can a team member piggyback on somebody's time? Time is left. Uh, I I don't know. Can we do that? Can we use up some? I don't you know. Can do whatever. Go ahead. That's um. Isn't that Gothics? That's that girl Thoth Gothics, right? Like she has a YouTube channel, right? Gothics look fine now. Gothics look cute. Elon Musk was awesome carrying his second in HQ and has the Twitter begging to keep their job. I lost it, y'all. Elon had me losing it. I was like, say it ain't so. Let this sink in. I die. <laughs> hey, kids, if you don't need a degree, learn online for free. That's what they need to do. Everything you should learn in school for, like, if it ain't no technical skills or hands-on, like, all of these, like, degrees that people get that really don't actually teach them anything, like, physical to do with their hands, that they have to be able to actually be in person to learn, man, learn that shit online. You know what I mean? Elon was epic. Tosi. Talk Tosi Gabbard. Tosi. Hey, yeah, if y'all know this chick Gothics, y'all tell her hit me up, man. You are a black woman. You can do it. Sure. All right, you know what? Go for it. Sure. So um, thank you for that, Shamika. Um, I, I'm actually not sure what the president's talking about when he refers to domestic terrorism rooted in white supremacy. I find it odd that um, when, when this line is trotted out, and they tie it to threats to black communities, that's when the left says, we need to marshal all the resources of the federal government. We need to get the FBI, the DOJ, everybody to investigate. But when it's street crime in Washington, DC, Baltimore, Cleveland, New York, Philadelphia, where 90 plus percent of the victims are particularly young black males, then what they, what they say is defund the police. I don't need to read reports about the young black men that get killed in our cities because I see it every day. So when you tell me the biggest threat to my life is some domestic terrorist, I grew up in New York, I went to school in Pittsburgh, I live right outside of DC. I have never met one of these people, That's so fine. I don't know what he's talking about. I like this guy. You know what? I like this guy. I don't know his name, but I like this guy. Uh, I like this guy. Is that Gothics? I like her. She's a pretty base. Yeah, I think that's Gothics hosting this. I tell her I say, what's up? Tell her how you say, what's up? <laughs> but uh, uh, I like this guy. Um, but like, this is the thing that I guess it always rubbed me wrong. I think there are good intentional liberals out there. I, I, I really don't think liberals are crazy. I don't. I think we confuse most liberals with the radical leftists. I really do think that sometimes we do that, and we gotta make sure we 
we we point out exactly who we're talking about because if we if we allow moderate liberals and people with common sense to get grouped in with these people, I think we're doing a disservice to everybody. And the same thing on the conservative side. Now, this guy is talking about like the black bodies in the street, and it's mostly done by other black men. And people, I, I'm not using the term black on black crime or whatever. In most communities, it's going to be people of your own, like closest to you, that's probably going to be doing the killing or whatever the case may be, right? On the crime towards other people. So that's neither here nor there. But this is why I always had a hard time taking this whole white supremacy situation to heart because growing up in the projects myself and having to survive, it was other young black men that I was competing against. It was other young black men that was trying to kill me. It was other young black men trying to sell drugs or trying to get me to sell drugs or to get me to gangbang and things of that sort. Like that's the stuff I had to navigate through. And I navigated pretty damn well, if I do say so myself. But I'm just going to say that was my main concern. When I got out of jail or juvenile, I went back into that environment and had to navigate and make it out on my own. Not once did I have to deal with a white person trying to, like, hold me down. Is that saying that all black people are in that same situation? No. But for most young black people in America, their biggest threat is probably another black person. So... I understand the need to address that there are certain white people who don't like black people, but it's nowhere near on the same level of what we're dealing with in, in our own communities. And if you're not going to address that first, if you're not going to put all that energy and the marches and all that behind that, why should I take you serious when you're trying to do it on the other stuff? That, that's, that's always been my biggest, my biggest gripe about all of that. It's unfortunate that the radical left is running the show right now, though. Like what dude who's going to go who's going to jail ain't turning trans <laughs> come on <while> we're... <laughs> oh D Brooks I mean D Brooks got a way out Darren Brooks got a way out you just gave it to him I like this guy though at least so far very much yeah be uh, careful left side panelist one you have two minutes when Biden talks about domestic terrorism being rooted in white supremacy, what he's saying is, is that it just dawned on him what we've been knowing for the last couple hundreds of years. The people that have, I don't know, shown up in hoods and decided to uh, take a man's life because he purchased property uh, and he was thriving and successful. The people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... So I think I think me and Gothis probably have a dope conversation. Uh, you know, uh, she uh, I never had to walk away from the Democrat Party, but like I'm pretty sure we can see eye to eye on a lot of things. Uh, fair equals hate. Y'all just gotta tell her I said what's up. Uh, of course that goes both ways, but it's not nearly as bad as they make it out to be. Not even close. We're all the same. We love our families, our neighbors. We want our children to be safe. It's that simple. It's that simple, Stan. Simple stand, that's what I'm going to call you. It's that simple. Who went into Tulsa, Oklahoma and burned it down because they were successful and they had created communities with their own banks, with their own schools. I think this female living in the past. I think everything she says that comes out of her mouth is going to start with like something that happened probably before she was born. With their own and everything that they needed and were self-sufficient and financially stable. The people who have done those things, the people who went and lynched black men and hung them from trees and then stood in a crowd and took pictures with the body hanging from those trees, those people are the people that Joe Biden is just finding out 
are a part of this domestic problem issue. But strangely enough, that, that group has never been declared a national terroristic threat. Surprisingly, for some reason, it's just becoming a, a problem now that people like Gretchen Whitmer, a governor of Michigan, or Nancy Pelosi are being threatened with being lynched, something that people who look like me have been threatened with for over hundreds of years. So now that Joe is awake and aware of what the rest of us have been knowing for a very long time, that there is a problem with the hatred and the anger in this country that needs to be dealt with and protected against, it's actually the reason why uh, in the reparations bill that was created back in 1856 that they said not only are we're... I never understood people so afraid and so fearful of their lives. They be openly on public platforms talking crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I never understood. Like, if you're so afraid and you're so unfair of your life for being black in this country, you're putting yourself at some major risk, right? Jojo Biden read a eulogy of the Klan's man. How come no one ever talks about that? <laughs> I have no idea. Is white supremacy a terrorist problem in America? Y'all let me know. Are we going to give land from the people who uh, joined the Confederacy and abandoned their property? We're going to give this land to the freedmen, but we're also going to make sure that our government, the military, goes in and protects those people for three years. Why? Because they already knew what type of hatred and white terrorists, white supremacy existed in our country. They knew they would need to protect the people who were trying to establish their life and be a part of the citizenship of America. That's time. She basically talked about a whole bunch of stuff that happened before she was born. We're talking about what Joe Biden said about white supremacy today. And she's talking about some job that happened a long time ago, right? It's like, you, you ain't saying a whole bunch of nothing. And it's funny how she got so, like, she got this whole animus against, like, white people. But yet, she up there and her hair look like white people hair. She 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 wearing weave or whatever. Or she got her, her hair permed or whatever the case may be so that they can lay down, like, white women hair lay down. So it's like, I mean, go ahead with the afro then, girl. Like, put the black fist up. Thank you. All right. Uh, right side, panelist three, you have 30 seconds. No, I'm sorry. Panelist two. Panelist two. Panelist two. Okay. We have a right. minute. You're right. <laughs> okay, go for it. Okay. So um, True. It, it's interesting that, that Reese's argument goes to True. Uh, lynching and cross-burning, which <laughs> egregious crimes. We, we all agree with that. That can't be the, the the biggest threat today. Those people are dead. Yeah, I like this guy so far. Like so far, he's my favorite um, panelist. So I reject the notion again that the people who are causing issues that that make it so that homicide is the leading cause of death for young black men are, are night riders and and grand wizards. <laughs> that, that plays to your emotions. I'm, I'm going to talk more about this. That's Bro, she's drinking the Kool Aid. You should look over to her and say, "Are you okay?" Like. Believe it or not, there are some people who they lead, they they breathe, they sleep, they eat racism. She's one of those people. Her whole existence is surrounded by something that happened before she was even born. Things she probably didn't even personally experience. She just wants to be a champion for black people so much that all she can think about is past past aggressions that she personally didn't experience. That has no place in where we are in society today that would not even be allowed by our government, not allowed by our communities today. And yet that's all she has to run. She running off fumes. That's part of the Selma syndrome that the left uses 
they mix our ugly racial history with, with um, elements of Stockholm Syndrome to make black people think that our fortunes are tied to, to their political power. But again, if you roll through West Baltimore Facts. or South Philly or South Side of Chicago, you are not, unless Jussie is talking, you're not going to see <laughs> uh, uh, white supremacists terrorizing black communities. So that's again, nice. that, that sounds good. That plays to your emotions, but we all know that that's not real. <laughs> I respect this dude so far. Right. So far. I got to be careful these days because motherfuckers will say some very rational, logical shit, and then they'll turn around and say some crazy shit. So I'm just saying, so far, this dude is my favorite panelist. Hey, thank you. Sorry. Sorry about that. All right. Left side, you have one minute. Well, I, I find it interesting that for some reason we have to pretend history started like on Wednesday oh, in go. order for the right side of the aisle's argument to make sense. We yeah. have to ignore everything from 1619 until 2020. We have to pretend everything started on Wednesday. Uh, in reality, when we're talking about this issue of white supremacist terrorists, we're talking about the Oklahoma City bombing. We're talking about Ruby Ridge. We're talking about the Charleston Nine. We're talking about the Buffalo shooting where we had 14 African-Americans this year. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I like how the cameraman went from the dude that's talking back to the guy who just finished talking to see how his face is. Look at his face, y'all. Look, it's priceless. Cause I got, I'm having the same thought in my head right now. The Charleston Nine. We're talking about the Buffalo shooting where he had 14 African Americans <laughs> this year. Dude, hey, have he like? Oh, we, oh, this shit, bro. Like, it is impossible to talk to some people, bro. It's like you just can't get through to them. It, you, you just can't get them off of this train. It's like, bro, there are going to be white people who do horrible things. And there are going to be some white people that are racist. But to try to take specific small incidents here and there and try to apply it abroad, the average black person's experience in this country, it's just ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Luda. It's crazy, man. It's, it's crazy being killed by white supremacists. We're talking about a form of organized crime, which is specifically instituted to uphold a system of white supremacy, uh, to uphold a system of white terror. The lynchings that Reese Everton talked about are the reason that you, uh, people in uh, Chicago have Mississippi accents, because they were driven out of the South by those lynchings, taken and dispossessed from their land. So you cannot separate the history of America from the current America. You can, just as much as you cannot separate the roots of the tree from the fruit of the tree. Hey, thank and you if I much. can have his last five seconds, the only thing that happened was that the people that were wearing the robes took them off and be put on oh, police uniforms, and there are judges, our lawyers, and our doctors. Okay, okay, okay. Prove it. Prove it. I want you to point out the people you're talking about. I need names, numbers, where they work. I need you to point out specifically, because if you don't have any evidence to substantiate your claim, you just you're just blowing smoke. She's just blowing smoke. That's all she's doing is blowing smoke. While we continue to fight amongst ourselves, we can ignore the common issues that unite us all. Absolutely. Bro, politics, no. Divide and conquer. That's all it ever really is, right? It, it, that's all it ever really is. The camera angles, all the drama of it all, agree. His expression listening to the crazy was precious. Precious, my precious. Y'all never hear me do that again. <laughs> it's precious. Like, you can't you can't beat it. Thank you. All right. Give me five seconds. <laughs> I just want to remind our panelists, you can use your time to engage and ask questions with the other side if you so choose. Uh, and, and can they respond back during our time? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like this guy, man. Right side, panelist three, you have 30 seconds. 
Yeah, so to Reese's point, um, the fact is, is that many, I'm sure, of you voted for Joe Biden. So the idea that there are laws, sure, there are laws that discriminate against black people. We know that from the 94 crime bill. No, the white domestic terrorism is not a threat to black, it's not the greatest threat, if a threat at all, to black people. And I think we need to start having open and honest conversations. I got to give respect to this man for wearing that turtleneck, man. I don't know how cold it is or whatever. That man rocking that turtleneck, bro. I think I look good in a turtleneck. Just imagine me with no neck. No neck. Just just a turtleneck. You know what I mean? I might keep picking up their voices as well, making me look like I can't formulate a sentence. <laughs> the camera angles. Oh, yeah, I read that. Oh. But the, the man rocking that turtleneck, bro. I got to give him respect about what's really happening, and Delano actually alluded to a number of those, but it's really about what's happening on our streets. White domestic terrorism is not our greatest threat. Right. I'm not even a clapper, but... Panelist uh, three for the left side, you got 30 seconds. Thank you. Uh, terrorism comes in many forms. In my community, it comes in the form of discrimination in housing, discrimination in banking, discrimination on the jobs man red line laws and all of that shit was banned decades ago like we have laws on the books we have agencies now whose sole purpose is to make sure that redlining is not possible and not happening and that you can go to somebody and complain about it and they will investigate we got fair housing laws we got so many different things that's going on to prevent that stuff from happening these people are living in the past We've all seen videos of black people being mistreated on their job, trying to deliver packages, whatever the case that may be, getting called an N-word, trying to deliver those packages. All right, we've all seen, just go to Twitter and see how many black people calling white people the C-word. Like, uh, all right, come on, man. This, 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 this notion that black people are being so mistreated and yet they ain't dishing none of it out. It's just like, I mean, do y'all remember the fact that there were black people literally beating up Asian people and stuff like that during the whole COVID situation or that black people are like one of the largest groups uh, that attack Jews. Like, come on, man. We know the reports of Will. He wouldn't call that terrorism, though. And neither would I. It's just hateful idiots. Argo purposely denying black people business loans. If you don't call that domestic terrorism, what do you call that? <laughs> it damn sure ain't freedom. Okay, thank you very much. All right, so uh, the next question for Under Politics. Analysis of the 2020 election shows that Trump gained in popularity with nearly every minority community. Around 5% more black men voted for Trump in 2020 than in 2016. And around 4% more black women voted for Trump in 2020. We got a... This... We, we count votes by race, y'all. In America, we count votes by race. You hear me? We count votes by race. This many people of this race voted for this person or that person. That's what we do. That's what we do. After four years of being labeled a racist, a bigot, a white supremacist, nonstop by the liberal media, what explains Donald Trump's rise in popularity with black Americans and should Trump run again? Right side, panelist one, you have two minutes. Uh, so um, 
should Donald Trump run again? I do think he's a wartime president, and I think we're in a war, good versus evil. So that's why I would support him running again. I would also. I know some people who watch my show who are Trump supporters. Look, I know, right? But what she just said sounds like nonsense. Donald Trump is a wartime president. Donald Trump, you don't know if Donald Trump's a wartime president because Donald Trump has never been president during wartime. Secondly, then you turn around and say, we in a war versus good versus evil. What the hell does that mean? Because if you're going to demonize your opponents as being evil, then time to set this bitch on fire. I, I, I don't know what else to tell you. Because last time I checked, the notion of evil, you can't negotiate with. The notion of evil, you can't compromise with. Evil must be done away with. So what are you arguing for? Is this really how we're going to have conversations in our country? Good versus evil? Really? Also be open to Ron DeSantis because I think that he also understands that we're in a war, good versus evil. I know for sure I don't want a beta male pissing on himself in office. So, you know, when it comes to the rise in popularity, I think it's because of common sense and people being able to just be logical. Right now, no one is concerned about having a friend, somebody that... She's talking about common sense and being logical, but yeah, she up here making an argument that Trump is a wartime president and we are a war of good and evil. I, like... Likes them or cares about them. We're more concerned with putting gas in our cars and food on our table, feeding our children and having a place to stay. We have hit an inflation of 40-year high. And so right now, people are less concerned about somebody being nice or being friendly to them. And I think that... See, we got to be acknowledged. We got to acknowledge this for a second. The problem with Donald Trump isn't just that he's not nice. Come on. Like, we got to be honest. Maybe that was the problem at first. But Donald Trump, with this whole election situation, we're beyond that point. And, and the second thing is, you, you don't have to agree with me here, but it's something you should take seriously. If you're somebody who support Trump or you somebody who vote for Trump or want Trump to be successful, you got to acknowledge the fact that there's a large percentage of people who ain't with this whole election fraud stuff, right? And that's not a winning strategy. It's just not a winning strategy. You got people even like Ben Shapiro calling out Donald Trump on some of the things he's doing. Like, you got to be realistic here. And she, 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 she just, I, I got a question. Is there anything that Donald Trump can do that will make some people not support him? Because at some point, when you hear people who are Trump supporters and they never criticize anything that Donald Trump does, you got to ask yourself, are these people drinking the Kool-Aid? Because it's not one human being on this planet that I won't criticize. And to me, it's just like, come on, man. Seriously? I voted for Donald Trump. I was somebody who supported Donald Trump. And at some point, you got to realize, like, yo, you got to call that shit out. But some people are just like, this is why I need more options. Heard about somebody being nice or being friendly to them. And I think that when it comes to, you know, 
the, the charge that black men are leading that charge. Black men are changing the numbers. Why? Because black men are least likely to be given a crutch when times get hard. And right now we're in hard times. If you look back over history, when a, a black woman can't feed her child, she gets a check from the government. When a black man can't feed his child, he goes to jail. So mm. for right now, we're not really concerned about whether somebody likes us. Black men have... First of all, politics ain't got shit to do with if a black man can't feed his child, he go to prison. First of all, if you're a black man and you can't feed your child, you probably should have never had a child in the first place. And you should have been married. So if that woman is getting assistance, you should be getting assistance right with her because you should have a baby by somebody you're married to and y'all should be living together and raising your children together. So I'm just saying. Have started to step and be more logical and they're going to save the country because that's what it's about right now. <laughs> the camera work is everything. <laughs> that's why the numbers are changing. The camera work is everything. All right. Thank you, Shamika. Uh, now back to the left side. Panelist one, you have two minutes. Okay, I'll hop in. Um, I have to agree with much of what the previous interlocutor said. I uh, think that we look at the numbers in 2020. Uh, Donald Trump became known as the president of socialism. He became the president of sending out $1,400 stimmy checks. He became the, social, uh, the president of PPP loans. He became the president of unlimited tax cuts with no uh, budget cuts there long. Uh, funny. All right, you can go on about the budget cuts or whatever analysis, but he does have a point. Donald Trump gave out those stimulus checks. Donald Trump gave out PPP loan. You gotta be. You gotta accept the fact the Republicans and Democrats all like, like it or not. Whether you get a Republican or a Democrat in office, they're gonna run the debt up. We just accepted this at this point. Like, there's no president. I don't care how much they talk about like, like getting down the deficit. It, it, it don't seem like it's happening. Fact. Uh, and when Donald Trump walked into office in 2019 or in uh, 2016, the national debt was about 19 trillion dollars. When he walked out <laughs> in 2021, uh, the national debt was 28 trillion dollars. You had 10 trillion dollars of debt created under Donald Trump, and much of that. Was but these are the same people who would never call out Obama and how much he ran up the debt. I guarantee you, you probably won't find clips of this man complaining about how Obama was spending like crazy. Uh, it's like. All right, we, we can't jump on Trump for spending, but you want to jump on Trump for spending, but you're not going to jump on uh, Obama or anybody like that for spending or Joe Biden spending. It's like you, you can't have it both ways, bro. Was, was given in tax cuts to the 1%, but also much of that became uh, part of this cultural zeitgeist and what the Republicans call the dependency culture uh, that they profit there, uh, thereafter. Even when we talk about the gains today Donald Trump had in those groups, you're still talking about 95% of black women voted against him, 90-ish percent of black men voted against him. I think that we have to take these things away from the concept to personalize politics and more towards uh, more so towards... Most black people vote Democrat regardless of who's running. It's like, if you think the Kool-Aid is like, if you think the Kool-Aid ain't got no flavor, you, you're mistaken, right? Well, black people are juiced up on the Democrats, and they have been for a very long time for one reason, and one reason only, racism narrative.
There's an agenda that will help the African-American community. Uh, my question often, and I'll pose this in the time we have to the panel, what exactly is the Republican agenda when it comes to fixing many of the issues that uh, happen in the black community? Because we talk much about the problems, but very little about the solutions that are based in actual policy. Much of it is based in social science, very little is based in political science. Anyone want to respond to that? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so I can actually jump in here. Well, we do know what the policies are. Um, we talk about police reform. Well, the GOP police reform bill, Jim, Democrats filibustered that bill in 2020. I believe it was in June 2020 over the issue of qualified immunity. We can actually debate qualified immunity, but that particular GOP police reform bill, Democrats, Democrats and Republicans agreed almost about on 90% of the bill. The issue of qualified immunity killed it in Democrats not Republicans, Democrats were prevented it from being coming I'm, to the floor for a vote. And in fact, there was an amendment called the Breonna I'm, Taylor Act introduced by Rand Paul that Democrats will not support. Those are things gotcha. that the Republican Party can do. <laughs> See, this is the problem, right? Neither one of them, nobody on this panel is about to change their mind at this point because black people have develop this mindset of you're either supporting racism or you're either too stuck on racism. You get what I'm saying? Like it's either or. And they're fighting against each other back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But most black people are not listening to either one of these people. Most black people don't care about none of this. Most black people are just going to vote who they think they're supposed to vote with, who their mama voted for, their daddy voted for, or however the fucking case is, right? Most black people, most white people, most people in America, regardless of your race, they don't really dive that deep into these subjects. So when you start talking about legislation, it's talking about like policies that's being presented and what who didn't support what bill. Like most people don't even know that when they draft bills, they dump a bunch of shit into it. And then people object to the bill because there's like one or two things in it that they can't get behind. But then they want to go out and claim that this person didn't support all the good stuff in the bill or whatever the case may be. It's so rigged. It's so rigged. It's rigged. And like, we don't have a fucking choice. There is no lesser of two evils. There's, there's no lesser of two evils. It's just evil, right? All right. Thank you very much. Uh, now it's... Back to you guys, panelists too. You have one minute. Oh yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll actually finish that point. But I think what we what we need to understand when we have the discussion of what one party does for the black community versus you know another party is that almost all of the things that impact us happen at a local level. The federal government, we kind of look at the federal government and say, look at Big Daddy. This is what Big Daddy does. No, mm -hmm. so those those chokehold bans that you may want that happens at your local level. We know because there are places all around the country, localities that ban chokeholds. We know these things as far as no-knock warrants, which is why I brought up the um, Rand Paul amendment because it was called the Breonna Taylor Act and it would have effectively banned no-knock warrants, not just in drug cases, which is what the Democrats' proposals was. It would have actually eliminated effectively no-knock warrants across the board. I wonder what else was in the bill, though. Like, I really need to know what else is in the bill. Like, I really need to know. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but I need to know. Like, sorry, excuse me for asking, but like, what else was in the bill? 
We can have these type of conversations, but when we go in with the assumption that this side isn't doing this or this side isn't doing that, the fact is, as I said, local politics matter. That's, that's where your taxes, your affordable housing, that's where all of that actually comes from. Funny because I pay more to the federal government than I do in my state taxes. I pay way more in my federal government in taxes than I do in my state taxes. So, like, I mean, why the federal government takes so much more than my state does? But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can focus on my local level. But at the same time, if I'm spending more money in something, I should be probably be more invested in it. I get that local local laws matter and local principalities, your mayor. Like, I'm all about, like, state rights and all of that, right? I get it. I get it. But the amount of money that they take from the federal level, it needs to be justified and held accountable. So that's why I think at least many people that I know, they're going to follow the money. One in a million, a million, the one villain. Too hot to be in the kitchen. I'll end up melting the ceiling.